Welcome to Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in the entertainment industry, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. My goal is to encourage you to follow your dreams and give you a playbook on how to get there. Thanks for listening and let the episode begin. Happy Mentor Monday. I am excited to introduce you to our mentor this week, Jenny Hill. I was connected to Jenny through a listener on Twitter, Chris Bono, who said I must connect with Jenny Hill, and I'm so glad. Thank you, Chris, for the suggestion. Jenny Hale is a USA Today, Amazon, and international best-selling author of over 15 romantic fiction titles. Her books have sold worldwide and have been adapted for television, appearing on the Hallmark Channel as part of their famous Christmas lineup. So one movie was Coming Home for Christmas, which was published by Jenny in 2013, and the movie adaptation starred Danica McKellar from The Wonder Years. She had another book, Christmas Wishes and Mistletoe Kisses, which was adapted into a Hallmark Channel movie in 2019, and it starred Jill Wagner and Matthew Davis. And you might know Matthew as Warner from one of my favorite movies, Legally Blonde. She's been included in Oprah Magazine's 19 Dreamy Summer Romances to Whisk You Away and in Southern Living's list of 30 Christmas novels to start reading now. She's also founder and director of Harpeth Road Press, her brand new publishing company. I asked her all about her writing process where she gave tips to writing, uh, how she published about 20 books without an agent, and what led her to start her own publishing company, and how she's able to write two to three books a year. Uh, I also asked her about what her publishing company is looking for in new submissions, and she reassured me that she accepts submissions from from writers who are agented and those who are unagented. So packed full of good information. Without further ado, here's Jenny Hale. What was your first role in the entertainment industry? My first role was my um, first novel that I'd ever published went to Hallmark Channel. Yeah. And so um, that was made into a Hallmark movie, which was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So let's, let's go, let's start with that. So the first novel ever, right? This was the first novel you ever wrote. How did the, that, oh, it, it was the second novel I ever wrote, okay. but the first one to see the light of day. Oh, interesting. So it was, I wrote one and it was a disaster, but I knew that yeah. when I finished it, I knew it was a disaster. And so I went back and started to read and write and, and, and read other authors. And that's when I started to notice, oh, I see what they're doing here. And then I sat down and I wrote another book and that one was published and went to Hallmark. See, that's a good thing for people to know for anyone who's aspiring writers or who are writers and then they write something and they're like, that was awful. Like, why, why did that come out of my brain? And I think sometimes people fixate on that one thing that they wrote and they're like, I'm going to try to figure out how to make this right, how to make this right. And maybe they should just take your approach, which is, you know what, scrap it, learn from it take all the things you need to, to research and learn like whatever it is you're writing and write a second book, just write another one. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when you're 20 books in, you know, I'm 20 books in scrapping books, that kind of scrapping those ideas happens all the time. And so Mm. it's better to just get used to it and just start over and maybe come up with something better. 
yeah. than it is. And just hold on to it. You might use it for something yeah. else, you, you know, know, but that's sort of how I've approached it. It's just, um, I'm never married to that particular, you know, manuscript. I can change it, tweak it, move it, whatever. That's oh, good to know. So you're flexible with it. Yeah. Um, for, so for coming home for Christmas, this was the first novel that you were, how did that go about? Like how you wrote it? How long did it take you to write that book? How'd you come up with the idea for it? So I can't remember now how I came up with the idea for it. Um, I was sleep deprived. I had two small children. I was teaching uh, elementary school full time. Wow. And um, I just came up with this idea and started to write it. And then I spent probably two years messing with it and reading and learning. And, you know, like I said, I'd written that other one before. So every time I'd read another author, I would pick up on something else. And then I'd go back and change that second book coming over Christmas. And, um, and in the meantime, I was submitting to agents and publishers and I had um, a spreadsheet with 10 open submissions at all times. And if I'd get a rejection, I'd send it to one more. And um, I had pages for two years. I did that. And I kept tweaking and changing and tweaking and changing and documenting which version of the manuscript they had. Wow. And, um, and then finally um, it got picked up. And then about, I think it was a year after it was published, maybe, maybe Um, Nina Wyman, who's a script writer. um, She was working with a production company that I guess they were pitching to Hallmark and she was looking for Christmas stories. So she Mm. sent me an email and said, Hey, I like this, you know, um, would you be interested in, in possibly pitching it, you know, taking it to the producers? And so there's so much there, like in in that one answer, I'm like breaking it down. So first of (laughs) all, not just in how you put together this story, but in simultaneously, you're tweaking for over two years while querying agents, while finding the right agent. And and I love the idea that you always had 10 open submissions. That's amazing. I've, um, I have a little experience in, in, not publishing anything yet, but I I wrote a children's book a little while ago or a little while ago, seven years ago. Um, (laughs) And I spent a long time querying agents and it's, it's like, it feels like a full-time job. I mean, people don't Mm -hmm. really understand what it takes to research the right agent, find the right place, see if they're open for submissions, then querying them. It's a whole process. Do you have any advice for anyone who's going through that? I mean, it's been so long now, but what I did is I kept, I made a spreadsheet, you know how, well, and, and, other people might not, you probably know, but other people probably don't know. So I'll explain it a little bit, but every agent and publisher has their own little set of guidelines that they want you to do to submit to them, to make their reading easier. And what I can say, just a quick aside is that I've opened my own publishing imprint and I can tell you why they do that. And the reason they do that is because there's no time. They're so busy with everything that they do that it has to be in a formula that they recognize so that they can look and get what they need out of it and decide if they want to move forward with it. Um, and I didn't understand that as a writer or as an author until I got into it and realized how busy, how busy they are with the marketing and the cover design and talking to their authors who have questions about their writing and you know all of the um, pieces and parts that go into getting a book up there in the charts. And so submissions are sort of like, okay, 
crack the neck, let's sit down and open up some submissions. And you get crazy ones and you get good ones and you get some that you're like, ah, I think they've got something. Yeah. But anyway, so I made a spreadsheet, all that to say, I made a spreadsheet and um, I would keep all of the parameters at the top. So if they wanted it double spaced, you know, I'd say spacing this, da, 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 and I'd write mm-hmm. down what they asked of me and then what manuscript I numbered my manuscripts and what number manuscript I gave them. Right. And then I had a column for um, a yes, a no, a partial, a full, you know, a yes, a no. And so I would go through and I would have the person's contact name, the company, uh, the address, if they had it, the website, and then all those pieces, parts of what mm. everybody asked for. So I knew exactly what I sent them. And then when I'd get a rejection, I'd tick the no box and I'd go fill it out for the next one. And I'd go find something else. And there's a, there's a great book um, that I used called The Writer's Market. It's published every year. And in the back of that book, they talk about what agents and publishers are looking for your specific books. Mm-hmm. And then within those, they even mark the ones that would take a brand new author. Mm-hmm. which is really cool. So, yeah. and they make a children's book one too. They the do. I got one in 2017 when I was going through it. I've been through this process. We don't need to go into it, but <laughs> it's been a process. It always um, is. It, it always is. is. It always is. Um. So, so you finally, you got an agent. Let's go from there. I did there. not. Oh, I did you not didn't. So you just went I never did. Publishing? Um, I found a small publisher that was um, the person who owned it was the former marketing controller at Harlequin UK. And he went out on his own. And so I had at that time, I, well, I had been going for two years. Right. And I'm sure you know that when you're constantly getting no's or some people give you feedback, some people don't, I thought, this is a small publisher, but everything about it looked so interesting to me. They had one book on their website, Mm. but I had this idea that maybe what I'm writing would be better received in the UK because I've spent some time in the UK. I um, did my student teaching there for three months and lived there, Um, spent a lot of time there. And then I, I read a British chiclet. It was, that's one of my favorite things to read. And so I thought, I'm not a trained writer. Maybe if I try someone in the UK, um, I'll, I'll get feedback from them. I didn't even think I'd get a contract. I'll get feedback. Mm. And so he was small, you know, this, this small publisher was small and, and they took unagented submissions and I sent, I sent him actually, it was the last ditch submission of coming up for Christmas before I was going to throw it out and start with my my second book. And I sent it to, to the marketing controller (laughs) <laughs> the former marketing controller who now owned his own um, publishing imprint called Book Tour. And I sent it to him and I got a contract offer. And then I thought, well, now what? Because I got a contract offer from the one guy who has one book on the internet. But everything I, everything I saw, I just loved it. And so I had um, the full at a, a more prominent US publisher. And I had that. And I went with it. And when I went with it, it shot up like a rocket and ended up being bought out by the third largest publisher in the world, I think, Hachette. And I'm still an agented and I write for them and I have written probably close to 20 books now. 
And, um, and that's how I got into it. So when I opened up my own publishing imprint, I made sure that I have agented submissions and also unagented for the, the people like me who couldn't quite find their way. What an amazing story. And I check it. Yeah. So I check that particular, like they come to two different sections and I check the unagented submissions. I give them as much attention as the agented ones. That's incredible because it, it really, I feel like from what I've heard, from what I've talked to most of the time, you can't get in the door without an agent and I'm an actor. So Mm -hmm. I have that sort of thing too, which is the same thing. You really Mm -hmm. can't get in the door without an agent and it does happen. I mean, obviously, but it just, it's so cool that that's, that was the, and then you went through so many books. I mean, you've written so many books and you've published so many of them without an agent. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Well, it's, you know, I understand. It's so interesting doing the publishing imprint because I understand that side now. And I will say that one of the things about the agent is they filter out all the mess. Yeah. So that's why, because of time, I think it's because of time these publishers don't have time to sift through, yeah. you know, submission after submission of junk. And yeah. so they need a the filter. agent to already have done that. And that I think that's the sense. sole reason. And so I got in just by luck. I mean, I can't say that this is the way everybody should go try to do it. It's just the way that I did it. And, um, and so, and that's why I do keep an open you know, submission box for people who yeah. don't have an agent because every now and again, you'll get someone who will just blow you out of the water. And you're thinking, Oh, they just didn't get the right agent. Yeah. They just didn't find them yet. They hadn't yeah. found them. Now I because found it, them and, it's super yeah. subjective, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, agents are filters. They're, they're there to sort of provide a buffer of like, I've vouched for this Yes. writer. But at the same time, you're right. It's subjective. It might be, I mean, how many times I've gotten sort of feedback from either acting or whatever saying, uh, you're fantastic. You're so talented. It's just not the right fit for what we do or, and you're just like, why though? Why is it not that, you know, you're like, or I have someone that conflicts with you. So I feel like I can't properly represent both of you. And you're like, why? Like how, but that's, but I get it. It's really not personal. It's just that sometimes, you know, an agent will see a writer, I think, and just really connect with them and really go, okay, great. I'll, I'll spend some time and effort because again, agents don't make money unless it gets picked up. And it's the same for books. It's the exact, I hear those same lines for books, but I think that, um, you know, like you said, the agent doesn't make money until they, they can place you. And also um, coming from that publishing perspective too, I think um, when an agent says you're really, really great and I don't know where to put you or that you don't fit, what I feel also happens in the publishing side is I'll get an author that sends me a great submission, but I have to know in my heart of hearts how I'm going to market it. And if I don't have that place to market it, if I don't feel like I'm strong enough to market it, I'll let it go. And I think with an agent, it's the same thing. If they don't have, if they don't know people that would take your specific style, they have to let it go. And that's where you're just, it's just a constant. It's a a numbers game. Get to someone who does have that. Exactly. And if you think of that Excel spreadsheet, it's a numbers game and you have to be as strategic as you can. Like you, like you said, look up where, you know, who these people are, 
what their books that they've probably um, helped to get published, you know, what their sort of genre is of, of, you know, or maybe their contacts and their connections, and then whether they accept new submissions, new, like all of that, you have to do your own research. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's subjective. It's a numbers game. You're just trying to find someone who connects with your work. Yes. Yeah. Somebody who connects with your work and who knows how to promote it. Yeah. You know, cause those are the two pieces. Like I've connected with books, but I don't know, I don't know if I'm the right person to market them. And that's when I have to just say, it's a bummer, but I'm yeah. not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna waste your time or my time and money and, and mess it up for you. I'd rather just, I'd rather pick those projects or those, those authors that I know are a fabulous fit for us that I can take them and send them to the top of the charts. That's, that's who I want to go for, you know? And so it's been really eye opening to do the other side of it, to see both sides because there's so many frustrations as an author because you're not let into that other side. And I'm sure you're the same way. You're not let into the agent side to know, and they don't, they don't, they're not always as transparent as you want them to be. Don't have the time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Tell me why. Just don't have the time. They'll be like, I I can't explain to every person why or what, what's going on on our end. And I, and I get it. I, I understand, you know, it's a lot of us. There's a lot of writers and there's a lot of actors. Um, so let's go back to coming home for Christmas. So did you right away sell the rights to, you know, cause I know that sometimes with books, they almost immediately sometimes ask you to sell the film rights. And sometimes it takes a little while. I know you said it took, I think a year or so before she came to you. I want to say it took a year yeah, and then they pitched it and I believe that it sort of sat for another year while they figured out what to do with it. Yeah. And, um, and then Hallmark picked it up another mm-hmm. year later after that. So it took a little while. It was, it was slow. So what was next? So how, so were you already in the process of writing your next book? You know, all this was happening simultaneously. What was your process then for writing something new? I had already published that one. And so I had written one or two more after Mm. that and was still writing. I I'm always writing a book or editing a book. Yeah. So, um, I do two a year. They're about, they take six to eight months from beginning to end through editing and everything because digital is a little bit quicker. And so I published digitally first and then it goes Mm. to forever grand central and, um, and they dig into my backlist and put books into stores in the U S. So that's Mm. how I ended up because forever is also under Hachette, which is where book tour, my digital publisher is now under. So Mm. they, um, they take my backlist titles, but so I was writing books. I mean, I couldn't even tell you. It's such a blur at the beginning because you're still yeah. just sort of like a deer in headlights thinking. And you're just going. You're just What like, am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still absolutely. teaching full time. I taught full time for three years. Wow. While I wrote under contract. So, um, <laughs> and how did it feel to see your book come alive? I mean, obviously, there's probably so many similarities and yet probably some differences because that's what happens when things are created. But how did it feel? It was amazing and surreal. I mean, I think Nina really kept it close to script. There were only a few uh, close to the manuscript. And I think there were only a few little tweaks and changes. And she was really, I mean, I still talk to her today. She was really great at um, talking to me about it, you know? And, um, and so it was, it was cool to see 
the idea that I created out of my head yeah. played out on TV. That was yeah. interesting, especially since it's your first book, because my first book, I was still looking yeah. around thinking, does anyone know? I have no idea what I'm doing. Major like, imposter syndrome. Idea. And then, you know, it takes a while before you start to feel confident in that. I'm so sure. to see it on TV and based on the novel by Jenny Hale, and it was just like, do these people know that like, I have no idea. Like, do they really think that this is like real stuff? This stuff I'm making up, you know, but it is real stuff. And, and um, I was mentioning that in another conversation with someone, I was saying it's as real as your 20th book. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be as dialed in and as, you know, as, as polished, but it's as real as any of the other books. Yeah. It's just a matter of, of knowing that and owning that, that yeah. your ideas are your ideas. Amazing. And so, but yeah, that was, that was just all at once, sort of this whole I'm, you know, I think I just quit my job. We oh, moved to Nashville. Big year. Yeah, it all happened. And were you a once. fan? Because it starred Danica McKellar. Were you a fan of the Wonder Years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I still, every now and again, I'll message her. Uh, she's great. Just really great. So great. And yeah, and it's hard now when I write a character. If I write a sort of bubbly, sweet character, I immediately think of her because she was wow. in that first movie. Yeah. And so it's, um, she was it's hard to tease it out because I, I, most of my characters are totally made up people in my head. They don't, I don't base them on anyone. So if I find myself doing that, I'll shake it out, you know, cause yeah. I don't want, you know, I, I want to get this character to be authentic in herself, you know, yeah. so I don't want to be in. Yeah, there's a creativity, I feel like with the with the expression of being like, this is completely fictional. And I get to explore as opposed to if you if you attach it sometimes to someone, it's, it feels very real, it doesn't feel like as much creativity can play. I mean, some people get really inspired by having someone in mind for something. But I I love that that's your process. You're like, Nope, I have to kick out any images of real people. Because otherwise, Um, I'll I'll hyper focus on Danica. Yeah. And how she's going to play that role, whether she does ever or not. And so then it impacts who the character is and how the character responds to things. Yeah. So I like to try to get it out of my head. That's fair. That makes sense. (laughs) And so, and then you were able to get another book adapted for Hallmark a little while later. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That one was Christmas wishes and mistletoe kisses. Yes. And I want to say, I can't remember now. It's probably f- book five or six, maybe something around in that. 2015, if that helps. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because 2013 was coming up for Christmas. So it was like right. two years later. Yeah. So that's probably about book six, probably. Um, and so that one went to Hallmark as well. And Jill Wagner played in that one. Yes. And, um, and Matthew Davis, who people yes. might know as Warner from Legally Blonde as well. That was really Yes. Cool. And that one won an Epiphany Award. Yeah. I was excited about that, but yeah. And that one was very different. They really, really changed it. And um, again, I mean, I've said this before to other people, but I feel like Hallmark knows their people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all about reach and reaching your people. And so I'm never married the same way I said I wasn't married to my manuscript. I'm never stressed about the changes because Hallmark's viewers are different from my readers. They're different groups of people. And so the way that I know how to reach my readers, I know what they're going to want to read. Yeah. Hallmark knows their audience. And so I actually enjoy and delight in seeing how they change it to fit their audience. 
I find it fun. I think that's important for people to hear you say that because there are a lot of people that I think are very sort of rigid about their ideas. They're very rigid about, you know, it's hard to be flexible if someone gives you edits, someone gives you constructive criticism. And then again, if, if someone adapts it and it often is very different. I mean, I think that first movie coming home for Christmas, I feel like the fact that it was so similar to the original manuscript is a little rare, amazing, but rare. So it's nice to hear that your perspective on it is just, you know what, this is it. This was my creation. It doesn't mean that you can't do something else with it, especially if it's tapping into an audience that, like you said, is, you know, they know their audience. I mean, they, they put out how many movies, quality movies a year. So I feel like it's important for them to go, okay, let's, let's figure out how this fits us. And it's better than not having it adapted at all. Right. And I feel like it's just a personality thing, but I prefer to be collaborative on anything I do. And I actually struggled when I left the classroom and I spent that first year just writing. Some people, some authors, and a lot of them, I'm sure, prefer that where they need to be in their own space doing their own thing. And all I kept doing was looking around going, who can I hang out with? Yeah. Who can I talk to? And as part of that is because I'm an extrovert. So for me, I need the discussion and the conversation. And that's why I ended up moving toward publishing Mm. because I get to have all of that creative discussion around packaging and design and marketing and all the things that are in my head when I'm trying to write a book that may or may not be in other people's heads when they're writing a book. And it's just a personality thing. So for me, the hallmark, especially with Nina, who was so um, open and transparent with her writing, it was the collaboration. I was just starved for it and I loved it. And so I was like, I don't care what you put in that, in that manuscript. It's just so fun to hear your ideas. I love that because I I think that people do realize like I I'm an extrovert as well. And so there's certain plate, like certain parts of acting, certain parts of writing that does feel very isolating. That does feel like it's entirely on your own. And, and there's some judgment sometimes where it's like, well, what does that mean? If I don't love just writing alone by myself, does that mean something? And often it just doesn't, it just means, you know, it is what it is. And, and so that leads me to my next question. What is your writing process right now? I mean, as you said, you're putting out about two books a year. Is it usually just like a summer book as well as a Christmas book more or less? Is that what it is now when I opened up Harpeth Road Press, which is my own um, publishing imprint, I started to do, I had to do an extra book so that I could have something to publish Mm. Wow. The year, when 2020 hit with COVID and everything shut down and my kids who are now in high school and middle school, they, all their practices stopped, their school stopped, everything yeah. stopped. And I had time because I wasn't in the car driving them around all the time. And yeah. so I, instead of just panicking that we're all like in this pandemic that nobody knows what they're doing. Cause I was wiping down my groceries and I was one of those. And I thought, well, I'm going to use that time and there's no better time to create this than right now. And so mm. I built the program and I wrote a book and I squeezed out an extra book because I was saying they take about six months a piece. So yeah. that means I was writing two books at once right. and I wrote Christmas at Fireside Cabins and the Memory Keeper at the same time. Wow. And that was the only time that I printed out pictures of people off the internet and used them. And it was because I had to, because I couldn't keep them <laughs> apart. Yeah, I, was, I get that. I, I was writing two stories at once. 
And then the, um, the only other time I've done that is um, I finished one of my books early and um, I just wrote this second one. This is the art copy, but um, Butterfly Sisters. Yes. I wrote that for my, our new, for my new imprint. And so that's the second time I've written a, written a third, a third book in the year, but normally I do two a year. And then I missed your question. What was it? What were you asking? What was your writing? What's your writing process? Oh, what's like? my writing? Okay. So when I'm not crazy person, author, mom, writing three books and I'm just on a normal schedule and you know, my kids, I'll tell them, I'll say, I'm going to be like crazy for the next two weeks. Just know your mom's going to be all buzzy and crazy. And they just deal with me until it's done. But normally what I find is it's the extrovert in me. I prefer to be at a coffee shop or somewhere with noise and people and energy, even though I don't talk to those people. I have it around me all the time. And then I can, if I go to a coffee shop, I can write my, I do a thousand words every day, every holiday, every weekend, every day. And if I go to a coffee shop, I can do it in two hours. If I try to do it at home by myself in my office, it takes all day long to get those, to get the words to come. And I've explained it as it's sort of like when I'm writing, it's like I'm watching a movie and I'm just typing what I see. And after about a thousand words, that vision is gone and I can't see anymore. And everybody stops moving, talking, and I can't see anymore. So when I'm at home struggling to make the movie show, whereas when I'm at the coffee shop, it's like having a fan when you sleep. I'm just, it's just there. I was going to just type it out. So good for people to know that, that that might be just what it takes. Cause you know, imagine there's a lot of people who are just at home going, it's not coming out. Like I can't get it to be clear for a long period, you know, for even a distinct period of time. And maybe all it is, is just a change of space and that, that will flow. Absolutely. I mean, words a day, that's a great habit to keep in place. And I, I, that only came about because I took my deadlines and divided by the number of days I had, and it Mm. shook out to about a thousand words. And then I found, even if it's like a thousand five hundred at a thousand words, I run out. I just run out at that moment. And so I have to organize my life around a thousand words a day. That's how I do it. And then when I edit, I edit 4,000 because it's already there. Right. And I can just read through it and fix it. Do you do that in addition to writing for a thousand words? You also, if I'm writing a book at the same time that I'm editing, like um, right now, um, I'm writing my Christmas book, but I'm also editing my summer book. And um, so I will write when sometimes I try to just write when I don't have edits, when my editor has it. I'll mm-hmm. write then. But if I have to fit them both in a day, then I'll edit 4,000, write 1,000. Wow. And that's my day. Does it take usually about the same amount of time? Yes. And when I was writing two books at once, I figured out that I can write a thousand words on each book before I run oh, out. So it's it. a thousand words in that story. And it's kind of like, you know, if you turn on Seinfeld and friends, you don't mix them up, yeah. right? You can watch 30 minutes of Seinfeld and then go watch 30 minutes of friends and not feel like you've been in the movie theater for two exactly. hours. Exactly. That's what it's like. That's so it I can do a thousand words on one book and then turn around cold and do a thousand words on another because it's a totally different vibe, totally different story. Um, different plot, everything. Yeah. So I can do it. And so when you write it, do you feel like, is there a process in terms of, I don't know. I mean, it might be different now because there's so many books in, but maybe in the beginning, this will be more um, applicable, but do you feel like you're judging yourself as you write, or do you just write to get the a thousand words? And then you're like, I'm going to edit later. That's what editing's for. I, or do you edit as you go? 
everything I read online says just get it out and edit it later. But I am a former English teacher. I am an elementary school teacher. I like to color code things and label things and box them in neat little squares. And so as I'm writing, um, a lot of times I'll go back in and edit as I go. Yeah. But it depends on the book and the time and the Mm -hmm. deadlines. And it depends on that. Early on, it was sort of a hot mess. Like I just put down what I thought would fly. And then I, my editors had to shift things around in developmental edits and say, you know, take this out, put this in. Now I write a very thin version of draft one because I know exactly what I need to do to sell that novel. Mm having done it so many times. Yeah. And so I'll put together like a 62, 65,000 word shell. Yeah. And then what, that's the hardest part for me, but usually we don't move a lot around. It's not, it's pretty much, it's in the shape it's going to be in. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I do that, then I get my edits back. And then I almost feel like it's like decorating. Like if the yeah. story's already there, you're just putting in all the cute stuff, all the little yeah. jokes in the setting and you know and so that's how I I sort of layer it and then um by the end of that second that by the end of that first developmental edit I'll have pretty close to my story and then it's just a matter of tweaking and taking out repeated words and tweaking a few scenes here and there amazing and do people come to you or do you know does your publisher anyone come to you with ideas like we want you Jenny to write this or is it all coming from you and your brain completely most of the time it's coming from me, but if I ask them, if I say I need help coming up with something, we'll just go back and forth until we've got something wow. that I like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and some of that comes from just having been with the same publisher for like 18 yeah. books. I mean, I think, yeah. I think I'm on book 20. So two of them were mine with my publishing imprint and the rest were all there. So Amazing. they're at the point now that they know exactly what I'm going to produce. They know what I'm going to give them. So it's more of me just giving them a quick rundown of the synopsis or just mm. this is my idea. And they, they feel very confident that I will produce that. So yeah. I don't have to give them so much. Um, and then, um, but I do, I mean, I definitely have to give them the ideas from yeah. beginning to end and, and, and all that good stuff. But if I, if I say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't really have a story yet. Then my editor will say, Oh, well, what about this? And I'll be like, Oh, that's a good idea. What about this? And then we'll go back and forth a little bit and then I'll write up something. I love it. Send it their way. And then the last couple of questions is regarding Harpeth Road Press. So I know we, we spoke about it a couple of times already during this interview, but I just wanted to, first of all, ask, how did you start it? And B, just for people who might not know, I realize we didn't clarify. Could you define or explain what an imprint is? So I have Harpeth Road Press. If a larger big five publisher wanted to buy my imprint, they can buy it and it will remain with the same name if they want it to and just be under their umbrella. Right. So one large publisher could have several imprints of publishers who are all running on their own. So I guess an imprint is like a state in the United States of America. Yeah. I made my own state, but my state isn't owned by anyone. It's not in any country yet. It's just it. by itself. It's, it's so- growing. Yes, it's growing. So um, what happened was, as I said, I'm an introvert. I mean, an extrovert. (laughs) I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And I always told my publishing team, I want to sit with you at your table. I want to be around your table. 
I want conversations about my branding, about my packaging, about where I should take my brand, about marketing. I want in on those conversations. But as an author, that's not my job. My job is to write the story. And then I've, I've contracted the publisher to do that for me. And so we always had lovely conversations, but it was kind of like, Jenny, we love you, but like, you know, you go write and then we'll do this. And when I had ideas, I was an author. So I couldn't, I couldn't get those. I, I couldn't get those through and see them take shape. And the more I got into it and the more I got into the business of it, the more I realized that for me, the fun is in that, the mm. publishing. And the writing is the means to an end for me. And so most authors do not think this way. They don't want to have any part of all the mess that goes along with publishing. They want to write the story, but I'm not married to that story. I'll write that story because I know what my readers want to read. And every now and again, you know, I still have fun with it and I enjoy writing it. And every now and again, I'll get one like Butterfly Sisters that is just so much a part of me that... I, I feel what writers feel, yeah. but at the end of the day, where I want to spend my time is on the marketing, the packaging, the visual. I want that. And so um, I got to the point where if I didn't try out my ideas, which were different than my publishers, different from my publishers, um, because everybody, I mean, everybody has different ideas. It's like taking four actresses and giving them a role and saying, go play this, right? Everybody has their own ideas, how they want to, how they want to build that. So if I didn't do mine, I was going to explode. I was at that point where I needed for myself to do it. And so I just told my publisher, I said, if I fail at this, I will be quiet and I will let you do anything you want to do. And they, they're going to anyway, you know, because that's what they're doing. But I'll stop asking to be at their table because I love it so much. Wow. And I love them. They're an excellent group of people. Excellent group of people. So, so are I you no longer publishing it. with them then? Yeah, so I, still sisters is- I love them. Um, but I, I have to do it for myself. I have to do it. It's like if you're an actress, but you really want to make the movie. If you don't make the movie, you'll never know, Right. And so um, I also feel I, like you'd be blocking part of your creativity. Yes. So, it perhaps, very much so I feel like there's a reason maybe all this is happening. Like the fact that Butterfly Sisters is something you connect to so much, as well as this, you know, huge adventure you're going on as well. I feel like there's a reason that that's so connected and that's all the same time, because I feel like because you opened up creatively to one area of your life, everything else just feels like it's getting the residual energy and creativity and love, you know, I kind of, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, and that's what happened is it started to get harder and harder for me to write. And it's because I didn't have that outlet that Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed. And now I can write again easily um, because I'm opening myself up to that side. And so um, I did, you know, I wrote the memory keeper and that was our first book that we published. And it's, pretty cool too, because as an author, I can go publish myself. And if I bomb, I didn't hurt anybody but myself. Yeah. It's my money. It's my book. Yeah. And so it was nice because I could try out all of these strategies that I'd had in my brain for yeah. years and years, and then come up with a marketing plan that I know works. And then I can take other people. Mm-hmm. And still to this day with my books, I try things to see if they stick. Yeah. And then I don't have to try them 
on someone else's book. I get to try them on my own and build how I, how I um, shape the marketing plan. And, and I will say Butterfly Sisters hit number one in, um, what was it? American Contemporary Amazing. Something. Contemporary American Fiction on Amazon US on pre-order. It's not come out yet. Wow. And that makes me feel validated because I say, okay, I'm doing, you're doing it right. I'm doing the marketing, but me, there's no one doing the cover design. Well, I have a cover designer, but I feed back to the cover designer. And so, um, if I can do that. So, so just to clarify, so are you, are you publishing some books with Bookator still? And then other books with you, with your currently still under contract at Bookator. And then I am also um, publishing books with my own company. Got it. Um, and, and publishing other people as well with yeah. my own company. Because That's amazing. I think, I think that truly, I mean, I love, I love my publishing company that I'm with, Bookatour. Yeah. Um, and I love the people there. But I think truly when I think about my passions and where they lie, it's in the publishing side. So at some point, you know, yeah, I that's probably where I'll end up, but I love it all. You yeah. Know? And you don't have to choose. It's just, no. I mean, it, having all of it. Yeah, exactly. Lovely. Um, great. Anything, anything in terms of what you look for in, in anyone who's listening might be wanting to pitch you or, or send something to you or have their agent send something on their, on their behalf to you. What do you look for? What is your imprint and how is it different than other publishers? Mm, that's a great question. I'm always trying to tweak the website to make sure that I can try to get it across because it's hard to take what's in my brain and right. get it onto the website. Um, and, and if you think about it, when you go into a bookstore, you might pull five different novels off the shelf and read the back. Mm-hmm. And you might say, eh, and put it back. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't be published. It just means that it wasn't a good fit for you. And so how do we make it a good fit for Harper Thread Press. And what I look for mostly is I love contemporary romantic fiction. It doesn't have to be a super, super crazy romance, but like just contemporary romantic fiction that has real life elements, real life struggles and real life elements that at the end give us hope that there are happy endings that it might not look the way you want it to look, but there are happy endings and love is there and love wins every time. And so that's sort of what I'm looking for in a nutshell Um, and, and trying to keep it more on the contemporary side, you know, and I'm sure as we build and grow, we could delve into more of the historical romance and that, because I love all of it, but I have to, at this point, focus on, like I was saying earlier, Sorry. I have to focus on what I know how to market well. Yeah. And I can say without a doubt, you can trust me with your story exactly because I'm going to market it. And I know exactly how I can envision this. Yes. Love it. Excellent. Okay. And the last question I always ask people is what is your definition of success? Hmm. My definition of success, it's funny. I listen to all these different podcasts all the time and little speeches on YouTube and stuff too. And Matthew McConaughey had a speech yeah. and he said, who's your hero? And he said, my hero is me in 10 years. And when he got to 25, they said, did you, you know, are you your hero? And he said, absolutely not. My hero is me in 10 years. So when I'm 35 and so, and, and I see success that same way when I was 
wanting so badly to try out my creative ideas with my publishing imprint. I kept telling myself, why are you even worried about it? Because teacher Jenny would have freaked out at where you are now. Right. Right. So why don't you just be quiet and write your books and be happy because teacher Jenny's dancing in her seat right now. She's not going into the classroom every day and working all day long. She's creative and, and, you know, getting to sit in coffee shops and write books, but it's because my definition of success had shifted, had moved. And I think that, and I hope that every person's definition of success moves as they go and they don't feel like they've hit it. I'll never feel like I've hit a definition of success. And if definition of success means I get my lessons plan, plans written that day and I do it on time, that's awesome. And if it means that I write and, and work at the same time, that's even better. And if it means that I get to quit my job and do a creative job, there we go. And it just keeps moving. So my definition of success in a nutshell would be to be in the place where you feel most content or be striving for the place you feel most content. Excellent. Thank you. Well, it's such a pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate it. I learned so much in such a short period of time. And I, I think a lot of people take a lot from this, just even just the idea there's so many gems, but I, I really do appreciate you being here. And I, I, I am picturing you in the coffee shop now and picturing writers being like, oh, maybe that's all I needed to do is change my venue and I'd be more productive. And it may or may not work for everyone the same way, but just having those just little nuggets, those little things of going, okay, this is what I might need to do. This is, this is how I can, I can approach querying, you know, agents or publishers. This is how I can approach, you know, uh, having someone take my work and changing it completely. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. This has been great. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor, drop a five-star review, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts and find me on Instagram. I'm at, at Michelle Simone Miller and at mentors on the mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend and I'll see you next time.